Hello and welcome to another recording on the Promotion Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Josh Wells, and I'm excited to share with you another episode. The title for today is called How to Overcome the Fear of Public Speaking Without Signing Up for a Toastmasters Group or a Club. Now, if you've ever heard of it, Toastmasters is a, um, it's a group that focuses on public speaking and I've heard many great things about it. So it can be a great option if there's a, if there's a group or a, a meeting or a club nearby. It can be a great way to develop your speech. That being said, it's not necessary. There's other ways of doing it, especially in today's world with so much technology. Um, you, can, you can join groups on Facebook. You can join, um, can use text. You can record yourself on your phone. So there's, there's unlimited opportunities to improve your speech. And the reason you're likely looking to improve your speech is to do better on your promotional test, specifically the oral board. Maybe you have to give an oral presentation. Maybe you have to do a role play where you have to speak to your, your crew, or maybe you have to address a whole department, or maybe you have to talk to the board or give a presentation. So speaking is one of those skills that's really important to develop. So I'm excited to share that. We're going to get into that content today. So today is episode 95. And if you go back, there is this is um, season number four. And there's been a lot of content that's been shared here. Some of it's great. Some of it's a work in progress. But I'm going to continue to develop uh, and to give you the tools and the resources, not just to develop for an assessment center, but to so that you can be the best version of yourself in terms of communication and leadership and organization and all these different uh, skill sets that are represented in the book, The Promotion Playbook. So if you haven't bought a copy of the book, uh, please go to Amazon and get a copy. And then you can go through the book because most of the content in this podcast is, is referenced from that book. That book is designed to be a practical workbook to help you develop um, for your assessment center um, not just the assessment center, but develop in the position and to build these skills of, of speaking and communicating and writing and studying and then application skills. So the, um, the origin story, that little bit of a background story going into this episode is the title of this is How I Escaped the Prison of uh, the lack of self-expression and how I used to be really terrible at speaking and I've grown to get better at it. <clears throat> it's always a work in progress. And so growth is a continuous opportunity. But um, I'll give you a little background of, of how I end up getting to this point where I'm at about public speaking. So I can remember back, I'll go back several years ago when I was in elementary school now, sitting in the classroom, we used to have these uncomfortable desks, and um, I was sitting in the classroom, and it was a, a history class, and we watched this video. I think it was probably a VHS tape, and you know they used to have to wheel, like they'd have the TVs on a cart, and they'd have to wheel it in, and there'd be a, a, a VCR, and they'd put in this little cassette tape. I remember watching this video about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his speech, I have a dream. I remember sitting in that classroom and, and being totally captivated by this speech because 
it was so inspirational how he captivated that audience and how he stood for what he was saying, listening to his speech. It takes you on this journey through the use of metaphors and possibility. And just the way that he speaks is transformative. It almost puts you into a trance where you can just picture, um, he, you know, he, he paints this picture of a better place than where he currently was at the time of the speech. So I'd encourage you to look at that video. You can find it by going, uh, you can go onto like YouTube or Venmo or, or one of these video platforms. And if you look it up, you can watch that speech. And that sets an excellent example of uh, how to speak well. And so it, was, it really inspired me. So, so being a young kid sitting in a classroom, probably being bored most of the time, I was really captivated by it. And I wanted to be someone that could speak in a way that inspired people, that was able to convey a message, to share my truth, and inspire others into these possibilities of hopefully a better future. So the problem was that I sucked at speeching, at speech, at talking, at talking in groups. I was like, I could talk to my friends fine in small groups in a classroom, I do okay. But I struggled when I was younger because I had this, this speech impediment. I don't know if it was just the way that my, my jaw developed or something with my, my mouth, but early on, I really struggled to speak well. I had a stuttering problem. So that created some insecurity. It created some doubt. It created kind of this anxiety around speaking. And I can remember this one example where I was going to college. I went to college and I got a bachelor's degree from Northern Arizona University. And I played football there and I thought I was cool because I played football. I did well with my classes and I just thought life was going. It was a pretty neat time of life for me. I was taking this one class that required me to do a, a public speaking presentation. And I was like, you know what? I, I was, you know, I got a good group of friends. I got a social life. I'm, I'm, I do sports. A lot of things in my life are working out well. It'll be easy to get in front of a group and talk and do public speaking. Like, how hard can it be? I'm used to performing on a football field in front of thousands of people um, and, um, you know, having my stuff critiqued, doing classes. How hard could it be to do a, a presentation? I was sorely mistaken because I did my presentation. And this this group, it wasn't that big of a class. Like, they scheduled it so that when, when I did my speech, there was only like four people in the group. It was like a small room. It wasn't like I was addressing this big audience of a graduation or speaking at a big funeral or a wedding. I was just talking to like, I think it was like four people in this little classroom. And I got up in front of the class and I was like trembling and I was shaking and my breath, like I had this knot in my gut and my breath was like shallow. And I remember just sitting there and I totally went in my head. Like I went to this space where I got up in front of the class and I got overwhelmed with this anxiety so that Instead of having this good situational awareness, I just like had this tunnel vision and I was like terrified. <laughs> I remember talking and one of the guys was in the class I was like friends with and he was watching me and he was just kind of like laughing the whole time because I like I totally sucked at it and I was totally terrified. And I found out in that moment that I still had this this fear around public speaking. And so that was one example you know, another example was um, 
So I stuttered. And then I remember one of the times um, for football at, at the start of camp, we'd like, we'd have camp, we'd have a whole team together and we all get up and, and, and just speak and share like our background and our team stuff. And that was another moment I got up and I shared and I wasn't trying to be funny, but everybody started laughing afterwards. So it led to this identity for me to where I became kind of humor was a, a way that I would deal with this anxiety. To a lot of ways, it was good because it was a gifting that I could get up and I could make people laugh. And there was a lot of times in classrooms and stuff when, when I could be like the class clown or, you know, get a group laughing. But it also, so it was a gift in many ways, but it also had a dark side is that it, it began to cover up stuff for me. So I, I kind of took on this mask or this persona that I would go through life. And if I was afraid, if something was bugging me, if I, you know, if, if I was sad about something or afraid or depressed or heartbroken about something, I would just put on this, this mask of humor and pretend that everything's fine and just make a joke about everything. And I became this kind of lighthearted person. But in a number of situations, it led to this prison because I never felt that I could actually be my true self. Like there was part of me that was totally afraid to share my truth and to share my authentic expression of who I was because I felt that I would be laughed at and then like almost like rejected and shunned and, and, and pushed away. So there was like this scar that I carried around is that while my humor was a gifting and in many times it was awesome, not to say that, that humor was always had this dark undertone to it, but there got to be the side of it where I could never really express my truth and who I really was. And I had this problem being vulnerable is that I would, I would deal with some hard things like, you know, the loss, I lost my grandfather when I was in college and it was a, it was a tough loss for me. But at the time I just kind of shugged it off. I was like, ah, you know, it happens. It's, you know, shugged it off, went about the normal, normal life. Um, you know, had some breakups with, with girlfriends, ended up uh, quitting football, which is a hard thing for me. And, um, cause it got hard, but you know, people ask about it. I just be like, Oh, whatever. I'm just going to go on and do something else. So it led to this superficial thing. And it led to this inauthentic expression of what was real for me. And like I said before, it kind of became this prison because I was afraid to let the world see the real me or to let the world see what was really going on for me. And I went around carrying this, it's kind of fake, this fakeness. So it took me a long time to finally learn this. So as I matured through life, I ended up just owning that I had some of this, this stuff going on is that I had this anxiety. I had this insecurity. I had these fears around public speaking, around authentically connecting with other people. And it probably showed up in my, my personal life so that my first marriage didn't work out so well. And I think part of it was not being able to own my truth and be really true with where I was. So, but the, the, um, the resolve is what got me out of it. And what has really led to a big breakthrough for me, which has in turn made me much better as a public speaker and far better at sharing with others and, and connecting with an audience and specifically, so specifically with oral boards, like the ability to 
express myself in an oral in an interview for work or a speaking uh, engagement has improved dramatically because I learned this is the, these two things that I'm going to share with you is what really helped me to get through that. So number one is this concept called um, be real and get raw. So so there's this thing I did a few years back. I did this program called Wake Up Warrior, and it's actually a really good course. It's by Garrett J. White, and he had this program called Warrior Week, and it was this it was a men's program where they'd take you on the beach in California, and they'd beat you down for like four days through through tough physical training. You go in and out of the beach, and then they'd also it wasn't just physical, it was largely emotional. So they would address a lot of these, these like things that men face and call you out on, I guess it'd call you out on your inauthenticities. It's like the saying for that is he would say, you know, stop fucking lying. That's his saying. He cussed a lot, sweared a lot. And I think it really helped to kind of crack through a lot of the facade that people carry. So to so stop lying. And I was like, you know, I'm not a liar. In the past, I would say how I was truthful. I was raised in the Christian faith, which I still hold to today. And I was like, you know, I'm a good person. I'm not a liar. But when it came down to it, it it's part of my lack of expression of being humor when inside I was really hurting and I was in pain. A big part of that was it's lying. So call it what it is. You can call it uh, protection or um, just not fully being truth. But at some level, it's a lie. So when you go to do your oral board or a presentation, just realize that you don't have to wear this mask in there. Your audience is just as afraid as you are. It's like, there's this thing I learned a while back is we're all, I think it was when I, when I got back into dating after I had, I had had this divorce several years ago, which really uh, was hard, but it led to me a lot of maturity and when I would go back out on a social, um, got back into the social scene or I'd start dating and then ultimately met my wife that um, I'm still happily married to today, was I'd have this saying, if I get uncomfortable in a social situation, say, we're all afraid of other people and trying to look good. Or I'd say, we're all, we're all full of shit. We're afraid of other people and we're trying to look good. So this concept of trying to look good is it realize in any social situation, people are most likely going to be insecure also. So when you can be authentic about where you are, be real, get raw, stay relevant, and focus on results is the code, which is part of that wake up warrior training. So this really applies to oral boards is that be real and get raw is that be real on where you are. Don't try to hold up a facade like Everybody's nervous in an oral board. Even the people doing the oral board at some level have some, probably are dealing with a little bit of social unease. And so if you're real with where you're at, you're raw, don't try to be someone else. Real, raw, relevant results is what that says. And then, so the second part is this four pillars of, of presentation, which is going to be the rest that I'm going to talk about. Um, the four pillars is it's not so much what you say, it's how it's how you say it. So the how is far more important than the what. So as you're preparing for your oral board, um, it's more important to, to focus on the nonverbal expression and the nonverbal communication 
then it is the, the, um, the content of what you're going to share. So the how is more important than the what. And preparation helps tremendously. So if I go back to my example of college, of my, my public speech where I was super nervous about, part of the problem is I, I didn't prepare enough. I wasn't like talking to myself in the mirror. I, I didn't know the content as well as I could have. And so a lot of times, um, you know, there's this kind of this psychological piece about fear and social anxiety and all that. Um, and then there's the simple solution is that if you show up prepared, if you rehearse and you know your part better than anybody else, then it's a lot, then that takes care of the nerves. So, so be real, get raw and do the reps. So real raw and repetition will help to really have a great presentation. So this, we're going to talk about these four pillars of the Aura Board. And this is kind of like, so, so the resources I want to point you to before I get into this one, this, this resource is not specifically in the promotion playbook. If you want a copy of it, you can reach out to me. Um, I'll just give you my email right now is email. It will probably be the best to get this, this template that I'm about to cover. You can send my personal email. It's joshwellsaz at gmail.com. That's one that I'm using right now. There is a promotion playbook email, but it'll be easier right now. Joshwellsaz at gmail.com. Um, you can just send it to that one for now, and then I'll send you that template that you can use that'll go along with this. So in the promotion playbook, there is, um, so there's two tools I'm going to recommend, and then I'll, I'll get into the details on this one. So the first one is the oral board prep sheets. So that is the what. I encourage you to go through the oral board prep sheets and get as much information in there as possible and to get that information refined. So think about it. It should start off as a ton of information. So you want to get, you want to start with a lot and a lot of broad information, but then you want to refine it kind of like a diamond. So in order to get a diamond, you have to dig through a bunch of dirt. And then even if you find a diamond, it's got to be cleaned and polished and cut. And so think of that as the, the, the resource is the oral board prep sheets from the book. And that, that's where you get all the information that you're going to use for your speaking engagements and for your oral boards. So you start broad and then it's a refining process. So at the end of it, hopefully you start broad, you start with all this content, but then you refine your content. So when it comes time for test day, your answers are refined like diamonds. So you got a, the metaphor for those prep sheets is a bag of gold, is that you have a bag of gold, but you also wanna have some diamonds and rubies and jewels that are in there that have been refined. You don't wanna just go into an oral board and get a box full of dirt and be like, okay, hey, inside all this dirt, it's probably some gold nuggets in here. Why don't you go ahead and sort through it and polish it up because I was too lazy to do the work myself. So. The oral board prep sheets is a great tool to get the content and then you want to refine that content. So you start with, it's kind of like brainstorming and then you filter it down so that it, once you're prepared, you should just have a handful of things that are sharp, they're rehearsed, they're directed towards the target, they're specific. And so the end result that you get through refinement and through repetition is to have these really rehearsed and well thought out answers and not just a bunch of broad random stuff and your answers are specific to you and to what you're gonna share. 
So the auto board prep sheets are the what. You need to know what to say, and you need to spend a good amount of time doing the research to know yourself, to know the position, and to know the department that you're testing for. Those are the three categories covered by the oral board prep sheets. You got to do your homework. You got to prepare. You have to know what you say. So once you know what to say, then you can focus on how you say it. And oftentimes, how you say it is more important than what you say. So just like you do your homework to get the content, you also need to get the repetition of rehearsing this. Think of it, it's kind of like a, in many ways, uh, an assessment center is like a, a rehearsal for a part in a play. It's like you got to show up and you got to play the part. And so you need to rehearse that. You need to know your lines. You need to study the script. You need to be able to present yourself as the best candidate. And then, um, you know, it's not like you're just putting on a show, like you're preparing yourself to be in that position because at some level, all of life has this, this part of it that, that we're all actors at some level, that every interaction that we have, there's this dynamic of, of being able to fulfill this role. So you're, you're auditioning for a part and you need to put on your best performance on test day. So the oral board prep sheets is the what, the how, the, the tool that currently exists um, in the promotion playbook is called the, um, the unspoken art of the oral board. And it's found in the speaking skills in the promotion playbook. And so th these are both under speaking skills. And so the unspoken art of the oral board is a way to assess how well you communicate non-verbally. There's a reference to this study that was done by a professor, I believe it was at uh, UCLA, and it's Dr. Albert Maribian, Maribian, probably botched his name, but he came up with this rule called the 738.55 rule. What that says is that only 7% of communication is the words, the rest of it is body language. So 38% was the, vo the voice tonality, and then 55% is in the body language. That was referenced in the company officer book a few years back when I tested. I don't know if it's still part of that curriculum, but if you're studying the company officer book, the, the IFSTA version, they used to reference that as part of communication. And I think it's, it's a very beneficial thing to understand. So there's five areas in this tool called the unspoken art of the oral board. And those five areas, again, this is one of the tools found in the promotion playbook. So if you haven't bought the book, go to Amazon, buy the book, and you can get access to all these tools. Then you can make copies of the pages so that it's designed, a lot of these tools in here are designed that you use them multiple times and you get tons and tons of repetition using these tools. So what these five areas are, one is first impression, next is face, your facial expression. The next one is voice, your, your volume, the variety and the speed of your voice. Then the use of space. And then next is the words that you choose to communicate. So first impression, face, voice, space, and words. Those are the five areas. And so it's designed to be a scorecard. So how you would use this is I encourage you to record yourself, do a video of yourself. And if you use a social media platform, like currently Facebook is a good platform for that. You can just do a private video 
inside of that, like inside of a group, or you can just send it to yourself and you record it and then you watch your own video. And as you watch your video, you want to do an assessment of how your nonverbal communication is. So you have the first impression. As soon as you look at that, I've heard some people say that your an interview is decided within the first 10 seconds of that interview. As soon as you walk into that room, they're going to make a judgment of you and they're going to decide whether or not you're qualified for that. If the first impression is good, you're off to a great start. If you have a bad first impression, then it's really difficult to overcome that first impression. There's that saying that, uh, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover, but the reality is that we do judge people based on first impression. We, they don't, um, it's a big part of marketing. If you look at packaging and how things are presented is that human nature is to make judgment in just a matter of seconds. And that judgment determines our perception of that. Now that doesn't say that you can't overcome that. Like if you come in and start off with, with a negative first impression, it doesn't mean it's not something that you can change as a leader. It's important to be aware of this within yourself because it's something we do. And you don't want to deny that that exists. Be like, hey, this is my first impression. Maybe it's accurate. Maybe I need to communicate more to find out more about it. So the first impression is the first part. Next is your facial expression, is that you should do a good job of um, expressing your face. Ideally, you're going to have a good smile. You're going to have good eye contact. You're going to have um, your face is presenting very well throughout your, your oral board or your presentation. The next piece is your voice, the volume, the variety, the speed. And if you look at the best speakers out there, like the I Have a Dream speech with Martin Luther King Jr., he's, he, he basically sings that speech. And if you listen to the tone and the melody, the volume, it's just amazing how, uh, how great his voice carries. Another good example of, of really great, another great speaker is if you look at some videos of Muhammad Ali and the way that he would speak is just captivating. It captivates the audience and it's through that use of his uh, voice tonality along with other things too. Uh, the other piece is use of space. So how do you use that space? And then the final piece is the words. You either have random babble or your words are clear and concise and you're speaking the language of your audience. So that's the so the two the two basic tools that'll help, uh, and then I'm going to cover one other. I'm just going to give you a quick overview of one other way to consider th these these areas within an oral board or communication or public speaking. But right now, the two tools that you need to prepare is the the oral board prep sheets, and then the unspoken art of the oral board is that so that when you practice, you want to get the sets because repetition really really helps. It's, uh, you know, one of the easiest ways to overcome anxiety is to be prepared. And the best way to prepare is through repetition, repetition combined with emotion. So if you do things that make you uncomfortable, you want to stimulate as much test anxiety in advance as possible. So you want it, you want your training, you want to train to a, a really high level. And ideally, you're training to a level of stress and, and complicated uh, scenarios or stressful scenarios that so then on test day, there's that saying, you don't rise to 
the occasion you fall to the level of your training. So you want to train at a level so that it, when you fall down to the level of your training, it's, it's at a high standard. So repetition combined with emotion is what's really going to help to prepare you. And so you get that emotion by doing things that make you uncomfortable. So those are the two tools. I'm going to briefly cover this other thing called the four pillars of persuasive communication or the, the four pillars of persuasion. It's kind of a work in progress, but it's another way. It's another helpful way to think about this concept of communication. Now, before I do that, I really want to emphasize if, if you get nothing else from this episode, those tools are, are extremely helpful. But I really want to emphasize the importance of this concept of being real, this concept of, of stop lying and stop hiding. Because there's, there's a good chance that part of you is going into this test that you don't feel that you're quite ready. At least I'm hoping that you feel that to some extent because that shows some humility. Um, and it also shows that the magnitude of the position, you know, the magnitude of taking on a, a, any role inside of a, a fire service or a first responder, it should be something that makes you scared at some level because there's always a potential of us facing situations that can overwhelm us. It could be a massive fire. It could be a massive accident. It could be some uh, stressful call. So you should always have some level of um, unease because you know that training and preparation is constantly a part of our life. And the minute that you think you have it figured out and you think you have all the answers is the minute that you become dangerous and you may want to reconsider um, doing the job. So um, stop. And so a big one of the most dangerous things is for you to lie or you to hide because you feel like you that shuts down communication is you, you don't feel you may feel inadequate in a situation or you don't feel good enough to do this role. And so you want to just kind of put on this facade and pretend that you have your life together when the reality in that moment is that you may be really scared or you may be uncertain and you're just trying to hold up a facade or some type of front. So don't don't try to be what you want. And what I mean by that is that you have to be real with where you are in that moment. You don't have to go into some psychology pit depth of how your childhood was a struggle or how you had a dysfunctional family because most families are dysfunctional. So you don't need to go into some rabbit hole. Just what I mean by be real is be authentic. Tell the truth about where you are in that moment. So what you don't want to do, another way of saying this is you don't want to give these canned answers. Nobody wants to hear the, a candidate do an interview and give these canned, superficial, fake answers. Like be real, be authentically you. And um, a way of saying this is to be, be unapologetically who you are. And be the best version of yourself possible. So you should have some great mentors, some great guides. You should read books. You should have different leadership styles and different mentors that guide you, that develop you into your position. That being said, you are not them. So you take what works for you from them, but realize you're going to end up developing your own style that's going to work best for you. So be unapologetically you. And when you can do that, 
then it brings diversity to the position. It brings diversity to the department. And what's one of the best things about an organization filled with imperfect people is that we all have our quirks. We all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. But when we can authentically own what we're really good at and also own what we're not good at, then we can work together as a team, a team that optimizes the strengths um, of those that are really strong and then kind of doesn't get caught up trying to be strong in something that we're not. So it's a great way of understanding, also getting into the leadership role is that understanding your team and authentically um, knowing where you have your weaknesses, knowing what you're really good at, and also knowing where you're weak, because where you are weak is where your team can be strong. And showing up as you don't want to show up to an assessment center and pretend that you have all the answers to everything. Be like, look, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at this. I'm not very good at this. And so I'm going to need to depend on my crew, on my team members to 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 um, help me in this area. They, ne- they may need to be able to pick up the slack in this area because it's not my gifting. It's not my strength. And even if I were to put all my energy into it, I would probably just do it marginally well at best. So be unapologetically you and be okay being authentic and being real and being transparent during the interview, during the presentation, because you're, everybody in that assessment center is going to be an imperfect person. We all have our flaws. So there's a good example of this in the movie Eight Mile about the, the rapper Eminem. I will say I'm not a huge fan of, of him as, as an artist, Eminem. I've never been a, a big fan of his music. But I really appreciate that the message in that movie, the movie Eight Mile, it's about the, the, the rapper Eminem. And he had this rough upbringing where he grew up in a trailer park. I think his, uh, you know, I think his dad left him. He was raised by his mom. And he, he had this, this tough upbringing and he wanted to get into hip hop, but he was white. And at the time, it was predominantly um it wasn't super popular to be a white hip hop artist. And so he he had that against him. He had his upbringing against him. He had some other problems against him. He's real edgy. And so there's this scene in this movie though, where he's up there and they're doing this rap and he's going back and forth. He he's, he's at this show in like a, it's kind of like this hip hop club and they're doing this freestyle rap where he's going against this other guy. And this other guy is really good. And they're going back and forth and they start uh, rapping, like kind of dissing on each on each other and saying, uh, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you, you're you this, you, your rhymes are weak, back and forth. And it's kind of a neat scene. And there's this moment where um, Eminem just owns, like he, he owns all of his, his weaknesses and his flaws. And he's just present with that. And it's really a beautiful moment because he doesn't try to defend or um, or hide or deny the fact that he grew up in a trailer, that he had this really crappy upbringing, the fact that he was kind of um, in that crowd. He was the minority trying to make it as a hip hop artist. And he was just like kind of the odd, the odd man out. But he didn't hide from that. He said, look, he goes in and he just starts rapping. And he owns it from his heart and his soul. And it's really like, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm from the trash. Yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, this. 
but so what? I'm still here and I'm still rapping and I'm still going to let myself. And it's really cool because it's just like this totally authentic expression of, of who he is. And it's, and it's raw too, because there's so much emotion behind it. This is where the pain and the heartache and this anger and all this emotional stuff comes out and it comes out through his music. And it's, it's this huge breakthrough moment. The, after he does that, the other artist is like, uh, he, he didn't have nothing. I think he got up and tried to rap after and he just couldn't do anything because he, uh, you know, he, he took, he took his fuel from him. So the, the parallel is that when you go into the oral board and you like, your job isn't to say, Hey, I'm the absolute best. I never mess up. I've never screwed up anything in my, in my career. You're like, look, I'm here um, to lead others because I've failed in the past. Here's one example of a failure. I'm insecure. For me, I was like, I talk, I talk funny. I got a speech impediment I had to overcome. Um, all this, it's, it's okay to share your, your vulnerabilities and your weakness. It doesn't mean that you don't boast on your strengths also, or it doesn't mean that you go in and, and, and um, you know, downplay yourself. You don't, you, you, you don't want to talk down about yourself or anybody around you, but you can just own the reality is that you are an imperfect human and you are flawed. And in those flaws is the opportunity for your light to shine or for the light of others to shine your team or depending on your faith and your spiritual belief. There is a, a verse in the Bible where it says, where, where, uh, where I am weak, you are strong, is that God can, his love is made perfect in your weakness. Something along those lines is that through this weakness, through these cracks, it's metaphorically through these cracks in our vessel. Like if, if we're a clay vessel and there's these cracks, then the light that within us, it can shine through that brokenness. And um, it'll, it gives others permission to be themselves also. So I really want to emphasize that point. Be unapologetically you, be real, be raw, be authentic. And be uh, own the truth of who you are, and the beauty of who you are. Even though, you know, it's a lot of human life isn't. It's kind of ugly to look at. We have problems. We have weaknesses. We all have flaws. We all have things we're not proud of. But owning that is going to really be something that's tremendously powerful for you. So that's kind of a point I wanted to emphasize. Now I'm going to briefly cover these four other areas to consider, and then we're going to bring this this one to a close. So. These four pillars of persuasion is something that I'm currently working on. It, it's a bit of a con it, it includes elements that are in this unspoken art of the oral board. But I'm hoping it's just something you can consider to give to expand your, your mind. So let's let's for this one. Um, I'm going to stick to the example of the oral board and going into the oral board. And I want you to consider these four pillars as you continue your preparation. So the four pillars are the space, the speech, the stories, and the stats. Space, speech, story, and stats. And I'll briefly explain how this works. So, so um, when you're preparing for your oral board, consider these four areas. Number one is space. What is the space that that's gonna occur? What's the room look like? What is it that you're gonna wear? 
what is the layout, what is the temperature, what are, um, what is it going to look like in there? Is there any signs? What's the lighting like? Like, pay attention to the space because where you play the game matters. If you can't manage the space, then you're not going to lead well. And an essential part of leadership is being able to control the room, to control the space. A way to say this is command presence. Part of command presence is being able to walk into a room and take command and direct that room to serve the objectives of the day. You know, you see this at the fire station. It's like where you sit at the table is determined by the space, where you train, um, how, you know, how the layout of, of the station is. Like space is an important piece of leadership. So with your aura board, pay attention to the space. Make sure that you're dressed as professionally as possible. Make sure that um, you might want to you might want to practice or rehearse these first few seconds of the oral board. So really practice your entrance because how you enter that oral board is going to make a big difference. If you come walking in confident with a big smile, good strong handshake, and you know the names of everybody with good eye contact, you're likely going to do better than if you if you trip over your shoelaces, your shoes are untied, and you look sloppy and come walking in uh, totally stressed out. So the other piece, so we got space and then we have speech. The speech is the language that you use. We all speak a certain language. Uh, you know, you can say, um, you know, the language of your, your, your origin, like English or Spanish or uh or whatever other language you speak, French, uh, Italian, whatever language you speak matters. But even within the English language, there is all these subtleties of speech. So the, if you talk to a car mechanic, they're going to have a different lingo than talking to a, um, a farmer who's going to talk different, talking to um, a writer or a firefighter firefighters talk different than police officers. And so within, you got to be aware of the language that you use. And that speech is part of having your script ready so that you know the right words to say, you know the right questions to ask, and you have statements that are well rehearsed. Next is the stories. So stories portray feelings. And if you have really good stories, then you'll be able to emotionally connect with your audience. You'll also be able to get your message across in a way that that people understand it. The best teachers in history have all been able to tell really good stories. One example is from the Bible. You look at Jesus and he teaches through parables and through metaphors. So most of the time Jesus speaks, he's talking in a, in a parable, which is a short story, or he's talking in metaphor. Going back to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his speech is he speaks in a lot of metaphors and parables and his language really takes you to a different place in your mind. So it's it's like with his words, he's painting a picture and you can see it in your mind, this, this picture of possibility for the best future possible. So stories are important. They portray feeling. And then the other piece is stats. The stats are the facts, the numbers, the data, the expert opinion, the charts. So you need to prepare. So when you speak, you want to be able to speak with with specific numbers as part of it. Ideally, you have a story 
And as you're telling the story, you're, you have these numbers to back it. So you use statistics to back your stories and that's, you combine your stories and the stats and that's what makes the best presentation. You do it by managing and then you present it in a, by managing the space and you speak very clearly. That's going to give you the best presentation. So these four pillars, this is something that is, uh, I'm going to continue to share some more about this because I think uh, these four categories can be really helpful, not just for speaking, but also for listening. And anytime you're in a conversation, uh, these four areas are really important to manage. So again, we have the space, the speech, the stories, and the stats. There's another way to look at this is that what you see, what you hear, what you feel, and what you know. So in order to do really great at an oral board, they need to see you, they need to hear you, they need to feel you, and they need to logically know what you're saying. That goes the same for the point of listening is to listen well, you have to see the person, you have to hear the person, you have to feel what they're feeling and understand, at least understand what they're feeling, or at least try to understand what they're feeling, and then also know logically what's going on for them. See, hear, feel, and know is represented by space, speech, stories, stats. So space, so um, as you're considering this, so as you're preparing for your oral boards or, or some other part of the test, it's a, this applies to all human communication, but I want you to consider the space, consider the speech, consider the stories that you're using, and consider the numbers and the stats. And if you have all of those four pillars, this metaphor is that there's these four pillars. This, what's on top of these four pillars is your, your main message you're trying to get across. So for an oral board, the main message is that you are the best person for that position in that department. That's your message. And that's being held up by these four pillars, the four pillars of managing the space so that you look like the best person, managing the speech so that you have statements and questions and words that back that. And then you have stories and then you have stats. So space, speech, story, stats, and those are all holding up the, the message that you want to get across. So I hope that's helpful. We're going to bring this to a close. Uh, in closing, if you haven't subscribed, then uh, click the subscribe button, wherever that is. And that way you'll keep getting content as we share this. I encourage you to look back at previous episodes because we're almost to 100 episodes. There's, there's tons of great content that's been recorded. Some of it's probably not so great. It's a work in progress. I appreciate you taking this journey with me. And um, if you haven't bought the book, buy the book. And um, continue to do repetition of these basic skills. So I encourage you to, to try out the oral board prep sheets. Not just try it out, but meticulously fill those out. And it's like a refining process is that you start the oral board prep sheets. The metaphor used there is a bag of gold. And the way that starts is you think about mining for gold and prospecting for gold is that you start off by, in order to find gold, you typically have to go through, sift through a bunch of dirt. You have to dig through a bunch of dirt and you have to filter out all the dirt and the rocks and the gravel and the trees and roots and all this other stuff that's not gold. And so when you're doing this, realize it's probably going to be a lot of content and it's probably going to be kind of overwhelming and just start with a bunch of stuff. And then through this refinement process, you're going to find the gold 
You're going to find the diamonds. You're going to find the rubies. And once you find them, you need to polish them up and clean them up so that when you go into that oral board, you have this bag of gold and diamonds and rubies that's far more valuable than just walking into that oral board with a big old uh, box full of dirt. And then you dump that dirt on the table and say, all right, there's probably some gold in here. It's up to you to find it. No, you got to do the work in advance. You have to refine your content. You have to rehearse for the part. You have to be prepared. And then that way you are presenting the best version of yourself, the best qualities of yourself. And you do the work so that um, it's easy for them to choose who's the best prepared for this position. Thanks for listening. I wish you the best of the oral board prep sheets and the unspoken art of the oral board. Check out those tools and rehearse those tools. Practice those tools. They're not perfect, but through repetition and repetition, you can refine it and get your um, really great, really help you to prepare for your oral board. Thank you. God bless. Goodbye.